How does he beat Satan? Like at chess? No, uh, at powers. <laughs> powers. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkins from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Sheboygan! Sheboygan! Oh, all right. It's a city, but it sounds like like gibberish. I yeah. know. I've been to Sheboygan, have and you I love it. Yes, they have very good sausages. All right. Mm. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm down with the sausages. Yeah. yeah, we're definitely not doing Wisconsin. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But uh, also from music video since Barrett Share. Hello, I think uh, the polka band in Home Alone were from Sheboygan. They were oh, headed up to Sheboygan. Because it's the funny sounding name, right? Yeah. The, the, the band has to be from somewhere funny. Yeah. That's the only reason I even know Sheboygan exists, if I'm honest, is probably bad sitcom jokes where yeah. they just wanted a funny sounding city. Oh, it's a delight. It's a coastal city. It's right on uh, Lake Michigan. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, today we're going to go back on our road trip. Road trip. Shotgun. On the road again. The most time-honored tradition of all, the road trip. Oh, the places you'll go. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Yeah, we're going to be doing Vermont yeah. today. I've been there. I have too. Hey, right. What? What? Really? Yeah, um, one of my uncles was there for a good five, six years, and we went out to visit them and went to the Ben and Jerry's place where they make the ice cream. They have like a factory. Mm-hmm. It's in Johnson, Vermont, I think. Wow. Well, you did you go up when you were in New York? Yeah, I was in New York, and I uh, knew somebody who lived in Vermont, who'd moved to Vermont, and uh, so on a vacation, I went over and visited visited him and his wife, and then uh, I think this was, I had two different excursions into, uh, you know, the states above New York, but some are not New England, I guess. I don't know. Some all, are. Yeah, who cares? Most of them are, <laughs> uh, but... Uh, the one excursion was up into to Vermont, and the other one was to Boston. Hmm. So, uh, but but Vermont, yeah, Vermont's a a, a pretty state, very Vermonty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, very I, I imagine it being very idyllic. Should I've be never beautiful been. this time of year. All that snow. Mm-hmm. That's where they go in White Christmas is Vermont. I know. We're going to talk about it. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> I just remembered why we're here. Why are we talking about yeah. Vermont? Yeah. It's, uh, uh, and then, yeah, you have, uh, yeah, lots of places where you can go and get, uh, syrup. Syrup and skiing. Nice. Yeah. Syrup and skiing. That's well, a, you gotta have, uh, that and the Ben and Jerry's and all that stuff to, to coat yourself in blubber mm-hmm. for the winter. I, I, when I was there, I'm pretty sure it was like eight inches of snow or some bullshit. Nice. I'm pretty sure I remember thinking, thank God we live in Indiana. And when we lived in Indiana, we got snow all the time, but <laughs> just not like that. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Um, the first movie on this list is Baby Boom, which is a movie that I never saw, but I swear I saw the video cover about four million times going into Blockbuster. (laughs) Yeah, Diane Keaton like shooting her hip out with the baby on it. Exactly. But no, I never saw this. So Uh, tell us about it, Barrett. Uh, you've seen it, right? I have seen it. Oh, Jeremy's seen it too. Uh, my wife liked it more than I did. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder, has it been a while since you've seen it? No, we watched it maybe eight months ago. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it in fucking forever. It's because this is, what, 87? Yeah. yeah, no, I never saw it at all until then, ah. and it, it felt pretty dated to me, yeah. and so I was not paying that much attention, and my wife ended up really liking it. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume that it's very, very dated, because it's it's all, like, 80s Wall Street. It's I don't think she's Wall Street. I think she's, like, advertising or something like that, but it's like, go, 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 you know, sell and all that stuff. Harold Ramis plays her husband, I think, at the beginning, or like her love interest. 
and then she switches over to so she's in in manhattan and then she goes up to vermont to like decompress basically and she ends up like making her own baby food baby yeah well she no she inherits a baby i don't remember and then she makes her baby food and then she starts selling all that stuff and falls in love with vermont as as you do in uh, the small time life and all that stuff and uh sam shepherd is her future love interest anyway Diane Keaton is adorable in this. Yeah. She is very she's a very dynamic character because she's go 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 self-made woman all the way at the beginning of this and then she inherits this baby and she's like I can't deal with this. But then she kind of comes around naturally. I mean it, it, Diane Keaton's such a fucking it's good like actress. It's like Mr. Mom you know? but with a woman. Yeah, well yeah, it really is. <laughs> I mean if you put like Katherine Heigl in this fucking thing, you're not going to be believing it. <laughs> yeah. But Diane Keaton <laughs> like it, you know, she she really makes it work, and it, I think it's a good movie. I, like I said, I haven't seen it recently, but uh, I enjoyed it very much. Uh, yeah, I don't think we need to say any more about that movie. <laughs> She's great. She's charming. Movie I'm pretty sure I've seen, but don't remember anything about. But I am going to read Barrett's description of "Bless the Child." Uh, it's the 2000 Kim Basinger horror movie about an autistic child that beats Satan and shit. Yeah. <laughs> beats Satan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the, the kid's, uh, she has the kid, it's her kid, and the kid is, is, is looked upon as being odd and peculiar. And then he starts, uh, he or she, it's a she, uh, starts developing powers and shit like that. And then they run into sudden Christina Ricci. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, excellent. And, uh, and then, uh, shit happens. And then, like, good and evil, there's cults, and there's this baby that, that turns into, like, a, a kid and that being Satan. Oh, nice. How does he beat Satan? Like at chess? No, uh, at powers. <laughs> powers. <laughs> this movie is fucking terrible. <laughs> sounds this movie pretty awful. is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Interesting. <clears throat> I watched it uh, with my wife one night when there was literally nothing on. We were like, oh, horror movie, Kim Basinger, Christina Ricci, you know, I'm, I'm on board. You said it came out in 2000, is mm -hmm. that right? So is she a better mother in this movie than she is in 8 Mile? it's <laughs> mm, mm, a good question she is a very good mother she's trying to support her satan beating excellent so she doesn't child. say to her to her child um my boyfriend won't go down on me <laughs> yeah, no she doesn't say that <laughs> it's funny because like this again comes on the heels of like end of days and fucking stigmata and all that yeah, shit yeah and it totally got like looped in with that stuff and it's maybe the worst one of all it's crazy mm -hmm. because end of days is awful and yeah. Stigmata's probably the best of the bunch, and it's awful. Too. Like when Kevin Pollock can't even carry you through a shitty demonic action movie, you know it's bad. Like Kevin Pollock can usually get me through anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Kim Basinger had that weird post-Oscar career after L.A. Confidential, where like the next movies she did were uh, Bless the Child and I Dreamed of Africa, which was another just <laughs> slog of a movie. <laughs> I forgot about um, that. And, uh, and then, then Eight Mile, but like it was, it was just weird. She, she had been in the business for a really long time, had been in a lot of stupid movies. Then LA Confidential gets her the prestige. And then I'm going <laughs> to waste all that on some pretentious bullshit and a horror movie that's terrible. And she's never come back from it, has she? Has, she, has there been a. Not really. I mean, I mean, her, her semi come back was 50 shades oh and, shit i guess uh, yeah and and you know um oh shit wow that's like that. a meteoric rise and yeah just a Bye, did, did we ever call it though doing that nine and a half weeks uh sins video and then <laughs> yeah. kim basinger just happens to show up in the series 
Oh my God. Um, okay. Then we have a great one. Dead Poet Society. Yes. Um, this one, I believe it was Tom Schulman who wrote it. Uh, and he was a, uh, he had gone to, he went to, uh, Nashville's MBA. Oh, really? Um, and he based a lot of this on MBA, I believe. Mm. But, uh, Dead Poet Society is one of my favorite movies of all time. Me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen this one a lot, mm-hmm. like a, a frightening amount of times. Yeah, me too. Um, is it one of those movies that you could probably legitimately get 80, 85% of the, the, the dialogue? I could do the Ready Player One, like as in the book. Does I think with I could Dead too. Poet Society. It was one of those VHSs that was in heavy rotation with a few good men and all that stuff mm-hmm. that, like, just kind of got ingrained. Mm-hmm. And it's my, it's, it's such a comfortable place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Robin Williams had sort of uh, hinted that he could get to this dramatic level with Good Morning Vietnam, even though that was advertised as a as a big Robin Williams fest. Yeah. But, but Good Morning Vietnam showed dramatic chops. And mm-hmm. he had shown, he had been in a couple of other dramas before this, but this was the one that people really latched onto as his quote-unquote first uh, dramatic role. And and even though he's funny in this, too, he's he's tremendously funny he's the teacher that you'd always would love mm-hmm. to have um and uh but yeah the uh the school don't like that the school don't like that shit man <laughs> it's amazing yeah. to think about a world where that guy gets fired yeah because right? yeah. he like it's not like he sleeps with any of his students no <laughs> he's like nope. he just over inspires them oh you fucker yeah you're well, fired and and over inspires them and then which yeah according to, according to these adults over inspires them gets them to you know that guy that leads to them looking at the yearbook photo of him starting the dead poet society mm-hmm. uh then they decide to start their own to start it back up because he he did it so we're you know we can get some of that keating magic that's right yeah this and this movie has uh it's not very many people out of this became huge other than robert sean leonard and ethan hawk who were the main main people like everybody else in this is you know you've seen josh charles is in this. josh charles yeah josh charles. He, to a lesser extent i think he's had success but yeah. i think so i think you're right i think you i think i think i should have included josh charles on <laughs> Kurt Wood smith yeah Kurtwood smith who had already <laughs> established but a lot of the guys that you see see in this the the uh the dude who plays cameron has shown up in a few movies too and and most recently that i remember was jack reacher he plays oh, the uh, oh, wow, he plays yeah. like uh, that uh, that uh, store manager or whatever. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I just like oh, it's him. Yeah, it's that guy. It's Cameron. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a. Uh, I think it's an interesting movie because I think it's actually it actually might be prescient to our times too. Even like I think just the way the way we start thinking bad thing we blame bad things on i mean i guess it's always been a, an issue right it's not something that's new to today or anything but mm. but you can you can see in that movie how we start blaming others for our faults or our mistakes mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call them uh when you when people of power really don't want to don't don't want to feel foolish they blame other people yeah which is stupid and obviously it, it's it's the silliest thing that means nothing to the overall administration mm-hmm. right He's within his class. It's not like he's you know sitting on board committee meetings or anything like that. He's running his class. I run my unit how I run my <laughs> unit. Yeah, right? yeah. He's doing his class, and his class is subversive, and he's opening kids' minds and stuff like that. But just the seed of them thinking for themselves so threatens this administration 
that he must go. And then, of course, it's it's you know given the tipping point with Robert Sean Leonard's character, but it's like it just something let the guy have his fucking class mm-hmm. you know and and that that's it, it's compartmentalized they don't have to go over and above like this well but. and and nobody and, and nobody ever you know said anything about his class until someone you know until, until something tragic happens yeah and so like uh that's a that's the other just uh that's i guess that's the sad thing about this movie is just that you know that nobody really had a problem with how he was teaching they they brought up questions or people you know there's the one friend who's like you know a free thinker is at 18 john you know and all that yeah um uh but they don't really say you need to stop this well I, what's the issue with that because the the guy tells on him right mm-hmm. uh, for doing the dead poet society mm-hmm but is that technically like against the rules or anything like that? He tells on them. I guess maybe they were out there smoking and drinking and stuff like that. Oh, I think in like, that era, in that kind of an environment, even sneaking out of the dorm at night is probably like a punishable. So that yeah. was the the main thing that that uh, the information that he gave them <clears throat> that was actionable, right? Yeah, hmm. I think so. It also has. Well, of course, it, it was parodied so well on SNL fairly recently. Yeah. But it's that last scene is still as powerful now. Mm-hmm. I'll still be in tears watching it now as it was in, what, 1989? Yeah. Question. Do you think all of those students are expelled after that? No, I don't think so because their parents give the the school a lot of money. It's like, it basically, honestly, stay with me here. It's like the end of Bug's Life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where they realized... If the if the little ants, the students, band together in great enough numbers, they can overthrow us grasshopper administrators. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. I do think that display of raw numbers would keep them from getting expelled. Yeah, possibly so. It's interesting because it's only, I guess, like half of the class stands up, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't still, all do it. You yeah. still see people sitting down, including Cameron. Who's right. Chicken yeah. shit coward. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I love that final shot, too. Like, Ethan Hawke is, like, is like framed, like, in between uh, somebody else standing, yep. too. Uh yeah, it's it, it that that scene is so it's so great like that, all that uh the bagpipes and and everything and and Keating getting that last you know thank you boys yeah thank you he's and, got such a great smile oh yeah I'm getting chills just thinking about that uh, no, shit Dead Poet Society is a fantastic movie we have talked about it before but if you haven't seen it you should go out and see it by the way Peter Weir after he did Dead Poet Society. There was sort of the same parallels drawn when he did the Truman Show and Jim Carrey, who had been known for comedy and everything. They were saying, well, this is Jim Carrey doing doing drama after like just like Robin Williams did and everything. Maybe they can. And I love the Truman Show. Oh, yeah. Um, Then we have Flash. Ah! Vermont? <laughs> yeah. The fuck? I don't even remember any of this being Earth. I mean, I, I know it starts on Earth. Yeah, I don't remember. I saw this, I saw this at uh, Belcourt Midnight Show. Uh, I don't remember that Vermont being a, a thing. But well, because he's like, a, what is he, like a star athlete or yes, some he's, shit? he's a football player. And then he ends up in space. Yeah. I loved this movie. I probably watched it 50 times. Are you serious? I don't remember anything but that goddamn song. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's all I remember. Same here. I remember the, the soundtrack and the mention in Ted. Yeah. The movie yeah. Ted. Yeah, but I mean, I, I watched it 50 times when I was like eight. Or <laughs> 10 like i was really young and it's not the kind of thing i kept watching as puberty happened uh-huh. 
I don't know why I connected that to puberty. But uh, <laughs> at any rate, yeah, I haven't seen it in so long. Um, I need to watch it. I need to get like baked or something and watch that. Yeah, movie. yeah. I hope that'll be awesome. <laughs> we we should all get baked and watch Flash Gordon and do a podcast. Oh, my, oh my God. God. Now now you've just created a monster. Holy now shit. Now everyone is going to demand that. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to have to do it. But actually, it might drive interest to the Patreon. It might. If we made it like a, a private Patreon, you can only listen to the weed pod. Yeah. Speaking of weed, um, <laughs> I had an idea the other day for a comic book called uh, President Weed Guy. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> and it's about this weed guy who sells weed for money. And then as to college, he goes straight with a career, uh, even to the point where he goes on to become president. But he, he just never stopped selling weed because he really likes it. And so like president by day and night, he goes out in a costume and he sells weed. He, so, he continues to sell weed all the way up to the Oval Office. It's kind of like Dave, except it's kind of like it's kind of like, <laughs> like, like it's kind of like Abraham Lincoln vampire. Hunter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. President weed guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've given your ideas off on the uh, podcast, man. That's oh, proprietary right there. I only there. give away the D ideas. A, B, and C ideas all stay <laughs> with you. Boom. That's right. Um, then we have Funny Farm, which is a movie that I remember liking back in the day. I don't know if I'd like it now if I watched it, but uh, I enjoyed Funny Farm. Chevy Chase uh, is an author, yep. and he uh, has a, he's, he's got writer's block. Mm-hmm. And uh, he and his wife have moved out to this new home and this new neighborhood and everything. And uh, and he's uh, having an awful time trying to write this book. Meanwhile, uh, the wife is writing a children's book. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, so he's sort of um, he sort of has a, um, I guess, a competition, essentially, with his his uh, his wife there. Uh, and there's a, a point that he go becomes so desperate that he turns in her work as his own. Oh, yeah. And then it becomes a big thing. That's a uh, line you don't cross. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember if that's the third act break though. If that's where, if that, if that's the third act where he takes the takes the manuscript. I for, I forgot that part. I know that there's a the the big section where he he because uh, the town folk hate him so much, right? That he pays them off. He's like, well, we'll move out. We'll sell the house, yeah, and I will pay you individually a certain amount of money, mm-hmm. and then he he starts liking it, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they get pissed off at him for liking it, right, 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 yeah. He's and, and they <laughs> and, and he gets he, well, he gets the whole he gets the whole neighborhood to start being like really nice, and so they're trying to sell the house now that they're getting divorced right. over this, and uh, and he tries to he gets the whole whole town to be like the perfect idyllic town, yeah. And then, like at the end of it, he's like, it, they he falls back and the, they get back together yeah, and, yeah. and all that. But uh, I just remember this being a fun movie. Like it's a small town Doc Hollywood type of movie. Um, I, I, I just remember it being good. It is. Well, I I saw it. I saw the first half of it recently. Like one of those things where you're like right before you go to bed, like you're watching it. Like, oh, that's really interesting. Uh. It was really funny. I mean, mm-hmm. this is like peak Chevy Chase, uh, right around peak Chevy Chase. This is 1988. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right around peak Chevy Chase. I'll watch any of that stuff. Man. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was just so magnetic, and when he was left to his own devices, this is like more Fletch-style Chevy Chase than it is Clark Griswold mm. uh, Chevy Chase. So, yeah, I, I thought it was... It, nobody else is in this, though. It's like Madeline Smith is his wife. 
and really nobody else that you'll recognize like yeah um you know name wise i do love the i do love the reveal to the wife how how he turned that manuscript in because the publisher calls and she answers the phone he's been writing this book that's terrible by the way (laughs) and he's like he's like he's even given her pages and she's like and there's even a crying scene she's like this book's not very good (laughs) sorry (laughs) and um and so he takes it personally and all that and that's when he ends up you know sending the manuscript her manuscript out and the publisher calls she answers and he goes he goes oh i just read your husband's book it's the best thing that i've read in a long time and she's like oh really (laughs) and everything and then he goes i've read many children's books in my time but and he goes through the plot of the thing that she wrote and everything (laughs) it's it's such a dickhead move man it is man god um but uh yeah i don't remember liking that movie yeah uh here's something right up jeremy's alley i'm sure he's seen 400 times shop girl oh yeah 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 claire danes yeah claire danes i've seen this movie a couple of times myself it is a weird combination of my love of steve martin and my love of claire danes because those are two very different kinds of loves Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and i like jason schwartzman too yeah Um, this is based on a book steve martin wrote steve Mm -hmm. martin is you know one of those guys that's talented in everything he does yep Yep. and um it's a great little interesting character study Uh, i think i talked about it before in the podcast just because of the way it treats uh claire danes character's mental health Mm because she's trying to like skip her meds she stops taking her meds and kind of goes into a dark place there for a while and uh, i appreciate that the movie's willing to show that kind of stuff uh, in what would otherwise just be a you know a quirky rom-com mm-hmm. uh, but yeah it's good stuff I've, I, I haven't seen it 400 times maybe five or six okay this movie is a little bit more like melodramatic than you might think like mm-hmm. it's it seems like a bigger type of it it's a small indie film but it really has like this like stuff is like really dramatic and in, yeah. in, in oh, certain yeah. parts and everything steve martin you know is yeah steve martin plays this guy who um he's like a very wealthy dude and he ends up uh snagging claire danes and claire danes thinks that well, he tells her right off the bat. He's like, I'm not looking for anything serious, yep. but he starts doing stuff that's like it's serious. And so she starts thinking, well, maybe he's crossed the crossed over and everything. So she thinks it's a lot more than it is. And then like the first time he gets a chance to go out uh, uh, out of town, he sleeps with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And um, and meanwhile, Jason Schwartzman genuinely likes her and they've been on one date or whatever. And uh and uh there's the there's I th- my, probably one of my favorite parts though is when uh the girl thinks that jason schwartzman is steve martin's character yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh and so she like like fully sleeps with his jason schwartzman because she thinks that he's steve martin and and then and then he she keeps on like like why like i can't remember how she how the reveal is but like he keeps on why do you keep calling me this or yeah I, yeah it's the next morning right yeah it's the next morning <laughs> uh and all that uh but yeah i really i really like this this is one of those movies you can kind of just kind of get get into it's yeah. just the way it's shot and the way it's the music is and everything i really like it well it's it's one of those quirky like um what is the maggie gyllenhaal um will ferrell movie that we talk about a lot stranger than fiction stranger than fiction it doesn't have that paranormal element to it or anything like that but it it's it's definitely a a, a skewed take on a rom-com yeah. mm-hmm. and it's not steve martin being goofy steve martin no. or anything like that or even even really funny steve martin like no. he's pretty straightforward in he this is. movie yep. 
but he's charming and you can see why Claire Danes falls in love with him. It's a complicated story. Um, you know, using all of those like five players between the three of them and the people they sleep with and like how they interact and all that. It's almost Woody Allen esque, mm-hmm. except with all the creepiness. Yeah. The, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it'd be an interesting, uh, back to back with this and the Spanish prisoner just to see how Steve Martin, like, I don't think cracks one joke between the two movies. Yeah. I don't think yeah. so. He's like almost intentionally going out of his way to not be fun. Right, he's, he's like right. Jerry Seinfeld when he's, <laughs> yeah. He's, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's curdled. I don't care. <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, I, I don't know if you ever got any play from this line, but Jason Schwartzman has that line. I think it's at the beginning when he dates Claire Danes and has that first date with Claire Danes. He's like, well, you've just been on a date with Jeremy. <laughs> I have never used never that got line. to use that no no uh, I've done much worse damn <laughs> um then we have a movie we've talked about a lot on this uh podcast state and Maine state and Maine it's been a minute since we've talked about it though it has I don't know if there's anything new to say other than how fucking awesome it is <laughs> and how one of these movie channels needs to put it back in rotation so that I don't have to go out of my way to watch it that is mm-hmm. true because uh, that is the ultimate definition of a movie I can slide into you and slide out of as life demands yeah. and enjoy <laughs> every little bit of what I catch uh, I just love it I love it I love it I want to marry it yeah uh, and I don't know there's there. Uh, this would be a, i think this would be a good double feature with like the player or something like that oh, yeah. good good movies about making movies oh sure uh but state and maine is just uh just uh, it's such a funny movie so funny and so many actors in it that you love in it too um huge recommend if you haven't if you're late to the podcast this is state and maine is a huge recommend david mamet wrote and directed yeah, yeah david mamet had just such a like a ride there between glenn gary glenn ross this i'm like i'm looking to to see if i can find the other the stuff that he wrote the um, edge he wrote the edge untouchables Fucking Postman God. always rings twice the speed the plow how is a movie about a couple guys stranded in the woods so repeatedly engaging to me mm-hmm. and it's got to be david mamet i mean the actors are doing a great job too but mm-hmm. it's 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 compelling because of who these characters are and the things they're saying to each yeah. other and the things they don't know about each other and mm-hmm. it's a very if you wrote down what happens in that movie it probably would take two paragraphs yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's compelling <laughs> yeah. as hell guys get chased by a bear <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. guy turns on other guy I mean, that's it i i think it's i think it's uh this is Lee Tamahori who directed The Edge. Of course, we're just talking about The Edge now. <laughs> but uh, but I, 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 Lee Tamahori was a guy who was on on the rise there. He did a movie called Once Were Warriors, and then he did this, and he did a Bond movie, and I can't hmm. remember which one, which Bond he did. It's probably not one of the good ones because I think it was a Pierce Brosnan later, uh, oh. later era Pierce yeah. Brosnan that he did. But uh, but uh, I, Lee Tamahori. Uh, he may have been a part of one of those uh, Hollywood scandals. Um, okay, so the hmm. only thing that I see on Wikipedia is that he was dressed as a woman, arrested in Los Angeles for allegedly offering an undercover police officer oral sex, uh, convicted only of criminal trespass. Okay, so I guess all things considered he didn't do that much. Yeah, uh, he came out ahead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> boom! 
That's it, everybody. Well, we're done. That's, that's it for me. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. This is Chris Atkinson, Jeremy Scott, and Barrett Sher. We'll see you next time. Um, no, he, uh, let's see. Lee Tamahori did Once We're Warriors, Mulholland Falls. Oh, The Edge. Bastard. He did three, ep- he did episode three of the second season of Sopranos. Along Came a Spider. And yes, Die Another Day. Oh, ooh, ee. And Triple X State of the Union. Another day. Oh, so the, I send that one, but yeah, State of the Union. Yeah. <laughs> Lee Tamahori, though, hey, there was a point there where it looked like he was going to be uh, one of those top directors. But, you know, like, uh, next. He did next as well. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Uh, oh, I feel no. sorry for him now. That poor bastard. Yes, exactly. Anyway, watch State and Maine. Yeah, watch State, State awesome. Maine. Uh, then we have a movie that you do not want to watch called Sucker Punch. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, there's so many good people associated with this mm-hmm. movie. It, it, but it sucks on a massive, massive level. Yep. It sucks on every because there's levels to the movie. Yeah. And it sucks almost progressively. At every I mean, level, I wrote right? a sin for that movie near the end. That pretty much sums up how I feel. Where I was like, you, you, everything we've seen is a fantasy they use to escape, basically the abuse and torture of this place. Why would you make a movie about yeah, that? Yep. Yeah. Why? That's just dis- disturbing. Mm-hmm, I can't mm-hmm. enjoy anything about that fucking movie. No. Yeah. Uh, it has its fans. I, I know they're small in number, but they're passionate. Yeah. In other words, every time you see them kicking ass in these fantasy sequences, they're actually just getting horribly abused exactly. behind the scenes. Exactly. It's, yeah. There's no redeeming quality. To no. It. Mm-hmm. It's really. I don't even know how you sold these people to be in this movie. Like, unless uh-huh. you told them about the torture stuff after. Maybe so. Like, you guys are going to be kicking ass, and one scene is going to be like a dragon, then it's going to be like a colored sword, and there's going to be this other thing. And oh, by the way, it might be some abuse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, no, I mean, that's obviously how it was marketed, was on that, like, you know, Sin sexy City, chicks kicking yeah, ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how it yeah. was marketed. Well, and the trailer, too, had uh, When the Levee Breaks from Led Zeppelin on the beginning of it, and it also had that Silver Sun pickup song, uh, Panic Switch, mm-hmm. I believe. And it, that trailer is badass oh, i yeah. was like oh i can't wait till i remember being at a, at a time of my life that i was like i cannot wait to see sucker punch mm-hmm. that movie is going to be so fantastic <laughs> <laughs> wow those times are gone yeah yep. uh super troopers both Ooh. uh both of them but uh, the first one especially the second one goes to canada but uh <laughs> those boys start drinking those boys start drinking the maple syrup. They get all antsies in their pantsies. <laughs> I haven't seen the second one. No, this is on the first one. It's oh. the where Jay Chandra Kusar uh, is is doing. I butchered that name. Uh, is doing the the maple syrup chugging contest, and he finishes like the whole bottle, and he drops, and he's like, "I am all that is man." <laughs> This came on about a month or so ago, and there's like a new thing for me that's one of the funniest things of that movie, is uh, after they they pull the trucker over, and they go into the back of his truck, and he locks the door and runs away. So, like, you see, like, they go in the truck, they're looking for stuff, the door locks, and then, uh, and then Jay Chandra Sakar or whatever comes in, and he goes, and it's the, you know, it's two guys stuck in this truck and he comes in and he opens the door and he goes, smells like sex in here. <laughs> oh There's so many amazing moments. Now, this movie is not perfect, especially the back half of it really falls apart. Yeah. It's not nearly as funny. <laughs> it's, it's actually trying to get into plot and all that yeah. stuff. 
Uh, it's uh, Kruger versus uh, Brian Cox, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, but the first time, I mean, like all the stops are classic. The meow thing. Yep. The time that he pulls the European people over and the girl starts oh, having yeah. sex with him. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, "Is this cool?" And he's like, "I had right." <laughs> yeah. And the fucking husband is in there, like, "Oh yes, this is so great." <laughs> fucking ridiculous oh i know we need i feel like we always need a couple of outside the system comedy troops like this yes making comedies like this where maybe not every joke works but the studio would have squeezed you into a mold you know what i'm saying oh yeah oh yeah and and some of the most quotable stuff and the most memorable stuff is is that weird shit a studio would never allow into mm-hmm. a movie? Uh, so I I think I like these guys more than I like most of their movies, but this is my favorite of all of their movies for sure. Super true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bro- Broken Lizard has a few that I I mean Club Dread was a movie I didn't like when I first watched it, but I've since grown to appreciate it. Um, the Slam and Salmon, which I don't think ever got like a big uh, mm. theatrical release, that's a funny movie I mm. think too. Uh. Uh, the only thing that I remember them being a part of that I really didn't like was Dukes of Hazard, but even that has its uh, fans for some reason. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> Jessica but, Simpson fans. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but uh, Super Troopers one's good. The second one, you can't. You just can't recreate this magic. I don't think. No, and they're so obviously trying to do the exact same thing. I mean, it's like okay, the reason that tw- I didn't like Twenty Two Drum Street, mm-hmm. but. I understand why people did, because they were self-aware and acknowledging we're doing the exact same thing, Mm -hmm. you know. But it was so on the heels of it to where all the characters were in on the joke. The first one was so funny and subversive. You still had Lord and Miller, I think, on the second one, too, um, that it worked. But this is what? 14 years later something like that when did it come out yeah i think so i think that's right i think that's right uh but it it, it was it was they kickstarted the budget yeah and they're they're doing the exact same thing they're doing the traffic stop bits again Mm -hmm. and they're doing you know a a femme fatale thing again you know they're doing you know uh, us versus them again and it's like there were parts of that movie that were funny yep but then most of it was just rote and stupid. Most of it, you're just like, yeah, okay, I, I, yeah. Hmm. Uh, did you ever see the second one? Mm-mm. Man, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what lies beneath? Oh, um, yeah. This was the other movie that came out in 2000 with Robert Zemeckis after Castaway. Oh. Um, he did this movie in between waiting for Tom Hanks to lose the weight or gain the weight. Can't remember what he, what what they did first um but he but there was a break in castaway where he had to either wait for him to lose weight or gain weight and i can't remember which one it was and he did what lies beneath in in the meantime this movie made a ton of money but i don't think anybody remembers anything about it no you like it no well okay i saw it once i remember not liking it and i remember this one being a fairly infamous trailer yep giving away almost everything yep um, he's a mecca's trademark yes and uh a, a trend that has only grown worse in the years since mm-hmm. um but i don't remember and it, is michelle pfeiffer in it mm-hmm. yep is she like a water ghost 
<laughs> yes, I think she is. Because <laughs> no, she's the wife. She's the wife. That's the conduit for the water ghost. Oh, the conduit. but there's oh. a there's a point in the trailer where Harrison Ford they like who is this woman and he's like I had an affair with her and all that <laughs> <laughs> and you're like holy shit that's a big spoiler. It wasn't revealed until like way yeah. later in the movie. You know, I had an affair with her and then and then that's why she's all angry now. You know. Um, Apparently, but, the most recent x-men trailer for dark phoenix like reveals a character death like the oh, trailer really? trailer does i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised i mean I, that movie is the exact same as the last stand I, well, it you looks can't tell like me it, any different yeah i mean i just it says something by the way when that last trailer was it last week when it came that new one came out Dark yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it was last uh, week. That uh, The Last Stand was trending on Twitter. Was it really? Yeah. <laughs> so you know that's because people were saying this looks a lot like The Last Stand. Oh, that's a movie you know we want to copy. You know what's trending today? Both The Dark Knight and The Winter Soldier. Why? Because, I forget, I forget who, somebody famous asked a question, is there a Marvel three movie run or trilogy that stacks up against the Dark Knight series from Nolan? And it's become this thing. And it, from what I can tell, it looks like a lot of people think Winter Soldier is as good as Dark Knight and mm -hmm. it's the best MCU movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you that's the case. That's all I have to say about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't understand either. As long as it's not Civil War. Yeah. But anyway, I like What Lies Beneath. Okay. I, I, it's been a while since I saw it, but I remember it being very... Um, it takes twists and turns that you don't quite know, even knowing about the affair and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you don't quite know what's happening, what's real and what's not. The performances, I think, are really good. Harrison Ford, this is back when, when he's he's trying, mm -hmm. you know. There, there's a weird period where, like, he was trying in the, what was this? So this was 2000, 2001? Yep. Um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, where he made a little push, and then he just decided, I'm going to phone everything in. Mm -hmm. And then, like, now that he's reprising all of his characters again, like, it looks like he's trying a little bit harder again. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, I think he's, he's good in this. Michelle Pfeiffer's good in this. Mm -hmm. And it's a nice, like, little... A uh, dead calmish. It's a weird comparison, but like adult thriller. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I don't remember enough about it other than just that <laughs> that you know that whole big reveal thing that they already said in the trailer. And they had one hundred and fifty-five million dollars domestically. Jesus. Yep, total of two ninety-one. Huge movie. What fucking lies beneath? Mm -hmm. What's crazy is that they didn't come right around and make another one right away. I know, right? That today they would. Uh, yes, they would. Uh, I'm going to let Jeremy go with this one, White Christmas. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I have seen this movie probably a hundred times. Yeah. I break into songs and dialogue from this movie on an almost daily basis. Wow. In many ways, I was brainwashed with this movie because it, it was very important to my mom and her sister when they were younger. And so she watched it every year. And then as my brother and I grew up, we watched it every year, and it's become this tradition now. My brother's kids can quote the dang thing before <laughs> they even say it. Every Christmas we get together and watch it. Um, <clears throat> I just, I, I love it. I, I love it disproportionately. I don't mm -hmm. think it's, I don't think it's measurably better or worse than any other musical from that era. Um, I just love it more than most because I've seen it more than most. Mm -hmm. So I live in that. Well, I mean, it, it obviously holds some sort of intrinsic value besides nostalgia if you keep coming back to it and still enjoy it as much. As yeah, you there are. I mean, I do think it is good. It's uh, 
fairly preposterous story. If we ever send this thing, boy, howdy. God damn, sending white Christmas. Go to town. I would go ham on this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But all the the performances are good. Um, You know, uh, uh, Danny Kaye, I think, is so fucking ebullient and just Mm -hmm. fucking bubbling over with charm. Um, and you know, the, the, the girls are fine. I don't think they're asked to do a whole lot more than sing. Uh, but the, the, the relationship between Bing and Danny Kay works. They play off of each other and like, they're the original odd couple. Um, and, uh, the, the music's really singable. It helps that White Christmas is one of the most famous songs of all time. And I think a lot of people give the movie love because they love the song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's just a happy, happy place. Is that, uh, we may have talked about this before, but. Is, is is white christmas in white christmas or is yes. it okay but the he made it before that right Correct. yes okay it, it was in holiday, holiday Inn. Inn. Yeah. Oh, okay and then a couple other pieces of music from holiday Inn are reinterpreted in white christmas oh, okay. are they yeah the abraham number they dance to in white christmas is the dun, 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 oh wow dun, okay and but in it, holiday Inn, it's a it's a slow ballad it's boom boop 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 oh wow abraham yeah, yeah um anyway i don't like holiday inn nearly as much as white christmas they're not related are they no they're not because holiday inn is about being like opening up like an actual inn for the holidays right well, yeah they do they do special shows and right. themes for each holiday including fucking president's day <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> which is why we do the abraham song <laughs> and no they're not connected other than irving berlin right uh and uh ben crosby but no they're not like the uh, same shared universe because Bing does White Christmas in Holiday Inn, mm-hmm. and he does... Does he do White Christmas in White Christmas? Yeah. Twice. Okay. Okay. T- twice? Maybe even three times. I mean, that's got to be like top ten of all Christmas carols, right? It is. I, I, I love it. He, his voice is butter. <sighs> butter. And butter. again, you know, I, let's not, in this in this era where we're trying to be understanding, uh, there are plenty of stories about him maybe not being a good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I don't want to necessarily suggest that i am not aware of that um but uh yeah i love the movie he hated him some david bowie <laughs> he fucking hated david bowie he was like who the fuck is this that they brought you know you know this this thing i've heard of this can you imagine though i mean being in his in his shoes he wasn't in like ziggy stardust outfit or anything like that he was he was no, dressed prim and proper he was singing nicely. like uh, who's who it would be like adele and then you bring in lil pump yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it's it's almost insulting i understand why people might want to see this but from that artist's perspective it's a little bit like the fuck well okay yes i i, I agree but he had to have rehearsed with him before and, and he had that lovely piece on her it's a great song and uh you know he's got uh i don't know that uh, bang a lot of people have hated each other and bang. still make good art so. That's true. David Bowie and Freddie Mercury hated each go. other, apparently. Um, last movie of this section. Just imagine you get Mike Nichols, and you get Jack Nicholson, and you get Michelle Pfeiffer, and you make a wolf movie. That sounds awesome, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Just like Sucker Punch, disappointing. Oh, di- disappointing doesn't even it's describe so it. It's so bad. Like It's offensive. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Is Michelle Pfeiffer, does she have like a Vermont thing? Maybe so. Cause that's like that's like two yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, mm-hmm, two movies. Mm-hmm. No she was born in Michelle Santa Pfeiffer. Ana, California. According, <laughs> her parents were both originally from North Dakota. Well, um, right. anyway, uh, Wolf is a bad movie. Um, 
uh yeah jack the, the probably the selling point of the trailer was him peeing in the urinal mm. and and then peeing on the guy next to him and said, i'm marking my territory <laughs> and you, and yeah there's a uh, gonna be a good time had by all but boy is that a shitty movie you know what <laughs> maybe you can't make a good wolfman movie anymore you might not uh after boris karloff i mean you got this you got the benicio del toro one that was that was did that actually come out or? yeah yeah, and then was, they were planning that, that was the Wolfman. That was a terrible movie too. It was Javier Bardem that was going to be the one in the Dark Universe, right? I I guess I don't know. I don't remember. Do you remember that? Who was who was planning oh. to be the? Uh Bardem was going to be either him or the Mummy. I don't remember who, but they're kind of no. Revived. The Mummy was Sofia Batella, right? not the Mummy. Uh, yeah, I think it was Bardem. Johnny Depp was going to be Invisible Man. Tom Cruise was going to be the Mummy Chaser, and then yeah. Well, now they're they're rebooting. They're going to still try and do this now. Blumhouse? Yeah, I think Blumhouse. Some of the or Blum is going to, Jason Blum is going to get involved with it. Yeah, they're going to do The Invisible Man. And I think I read yesterday um, they're talking to Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, I like her. I like no, her a lot. Was it Elizabeth Olsen? Elizabeth Moss. Mm. <laughs> I like her too. Honestly, really. Those two, I could say either name for either one of them. Even though I know who they are and mm-hmm. I know their respective careers and could tell you the movies and shit they're in, I can't split their names it's like a samantha morton and samantha mathis <laughs> but no I, you know people would say american werewolf in london and maybe even american werewolf in paris is a good movie i don't know oh, paris no paris is not a good movie. no uh but it did have that bush song on the soundtrack oh mouth. yeah yeah uh but tom yeah. everett scott baby i i mean <laughs> is is that a really good movie or is that just like a fun movie what? american werewolf in london oh i think it's i think it's i think it's good i mean i i'm not i'm not as high on it as a lot of people who hold that you know that bring that movie up but i mean it's like basically but it's, teen wolf is fun and and you know uh, good <laughs> i think i think it gets it skates by more because of the rick baker effects and yeah, all yeah. that and uh and i think that's the movie that sort of inspired uh the uh, the michael jackson thriller mm-hmm. uh effects too i think they got rick baker on that mm-hmm. uh, so what we're saying is the best modern werewolf movie is prisoner of azkaban <laughs> yes that's that's what we're saying actually yeah if you've been if you've been listening to the last 10 minutes that's all we've been talking about is prisoner of Azkaban. i'm just by process of elimination yeah yeah but you can't it's apparent that it's difficult to make a good wolf man uh adaptation that, yeah that holds it up. is kind of we should stop trying yes i'd be all right with or stop trying the way they are trying yeah. uh on the uh, remaining list bereft i've never seen this anybody know anything about bereft d-r-e-f-t yeah no yeah tim daly directed it and uh it's got uh, tim blake nelson and uh yeah that's about it okay all right hope springs uh colin firth heather graham mini driver movie i remember it coming out this Fe- seems like it's it's I feel like i sat next to this movie once on a bus <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i don't know anything about uh, this mr deeds goes to town that's the gary cooper original uh i, I have seen this um uh, i have not seen the adam sandler remake but i have seen this one you're probably in the right order then <laughs> yeah i would think so. i like mr deeds but you I you mean, have seen the better movie i obviously. mean the 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 gary cooper one isn't isn't like i don't consider it like up there or really? anything yeah i mean it's it's all right there's a whole section at the end it's like a courtroom th- i can't remember why he has to do this but he has to prove 
that one of his little ticks is something that everybody has. I just do this thing when when I have to think, and I I, I play guitar, and uh, you know this guy over here he might pick his nose or something mm. like that. It's I don't I don't even remember why he mm. was he was doing that. Um, I just uh, just watched it one time a long time ago. I don't remember anything else about it. September Woody Allen movie. I haven't seen this either. Yeah, crazy Mia Farrow. Um. Um, this is one of his old, earlier ones then, right? 80, like this is 87. It's a drama. It was made as a play, apparently. Uh, long takes and all, like, basically he wanted to do a play on film. Uh, it's Mia Farrow, Sam Watterson, Diane Weiss, usual cast of characters, yeah. Jack Warden and Denholm Elliott. Because I'm a Woody Allen completist, I'll probably see it at some point, but I don't think it got, like, terrific reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spellbound, I have seen this, Alfred Hitchcock um this is uh it's gregory peck and ingrid bergman and the uh the thing about spellbound is they use salvador dolly to uh do um the uh set designs on certain mm. things mm. so there so there's a lot of like going into you know dream sequences and stuff like that and it's very interesting to look at um it's a it's a it's sort of a psychological i guess thriller type of thing but i don't remember other than the salvador dolly stuff i don't remember too much about this movie hmm. it is one of his like it, you know, i don't know where you would put this but it is one of his better known yeah movies i don't know if it's one of his best movies by any stretch but uh yeah that's that's worth why i mean that's a that's a obviously well worth watching sure. spellbound but uh, uh the salvador dolly stuff is all i remember um sweetheart's dance don johnson yeah this is it this is like uh all the 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 late 80s guys as don johnson donnie donnie j donnie mm-hmm. uh susan sarandon jeff daniels elizabeth perkins so yeah. and a cameo by bernie sanders really yes. are you joking i'm no i'm not kidding is he is that where his is that where his yeah he he's from a vermont, vermont? Yeah, yeah. okay that makes a little more sense yeah. then uh then we have Ten Thousand saints uh ethan hawk Haley steinfeld i have never seen this please tell me you've seen this wait is this this i have seen this uh asa butterfield did we decide asa it's asa Asa. um Haley steinfeld ethan hawk emile hirsch julian nicholson emily mortimer yeah i've seen it uh it looks like about uh, street kids she's pregnant street kids are family yay you watch uh you know, go watch uh, that one of the Will Smith's first movies, um, Six Degrees of Separation. Where the Day Takes You. Oh. That's about street kids being family, and it's mm. way better than this one. Mm. Oh, okay. And it's got that girl in it who had a talk show, Ricky Lake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. She was she was uh, in a bunch of movies at a time. She, she, was, was, she was an actress first, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I saw it. It's pretty forgettable. Um and I like those people. By the way, on, while we're on the subject of name pronunciation, I saw four days ago, five days ago, Alan Tudyk mm-hmm. did an AMA on Reddit, phonetically spelled his name in the headline, and he had a Y after the T. So I believe he pronounces his name Tudyk, like with a little E. Oh, Tudyk. 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 Because he spelled it T-Y. So T-Y-D-I-C-K. Oh, yeah. Tudyk. Tudyk. All right, all right. And so Good in future know. pronunciations on Sins videos, I'm going to pronounce it the way he spelled pronounced well, you're it. about to we'll, have one. We'll, we'll try anyway. I know that Steve Buscemi <laughs> is that, but I'm going to always probably say Buscemi when, yeah, I'm, when I'm kind of just like I, idly conversing. I'm sure he's so used to people saying five different pronunciations of his last name commonly. I've literally watched a video where he says just that. He's like, I, I don't bother to correct people. It's not like they're insulting me or anything like that. Yeah, they're they just, don't know. It's mm-hmm. hard to pronounce and, you know, 
American knees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and the last one on the list is The Trouble with Harry. It's another Hitchcock. I have not seen this one. Mm. Man, I got. I, I wrote this in the email. I got to sit down and just have a fucking marathon, like I've done with Kubrick movies, mm-hmm. like I've done with... Uh, I've done it with a few different directors, but like he's got a lot of movies. Yep. And it, it's 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 very it, this is actually a comedy, and isn't they it? I think encompass a wide era and genres too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of these days. One mm-hmm. of these days I tells you. Yeah. One of these nights. <laughs> I fucking hate that song. Hey, well, it's time to talk about movie again. Yeah, movie. Movie um so uh what movie right now is uh going through what uh it's a what is an auteur right uh thing so they're they're uh they're they're giving these select films of uh from directors who have basically all the power they're the authors of the film they mm. they're the the where the buck stops so that's what they're doing right now uh one uh I, one guy i think you could call an auteur in his career was milos foreman oh yeah and uh i i uh the one there's a movie playing on there now called goya's ghosts mm-hmm. and uh he, jeremy i think you've seen this movie mm-hmm. right it was a long time ago but yeah. yeah it's about the spanish inquisition uh it's about a oh, really? yeah it's about an artist uh stellan skarsgård plays uh is it francisco goya uh it's francisco goya so yeah he's playing this uh this painter francisco goya who's been uh making these uh these drawings that are critical of the catholic church and uh and so uh, there's an early scene where uh we see uh, all the i guess the i guess it's the spanish popes or whatever what do you want to call them like uh, the cardinals ben- i guess the cardinals the spanish cardinals uh who are like you know this 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 stuff is going out and into public and making us look bad and everything i don't know if this is the inciting incident of the spanish inquisition or not i don't know enough about it mm. uh the most i know is monty python yeah nobody <laughs> expects the spanish inquisition <laughs> um but uh but they are they're concerned about this painter and everything and they start getting concerned about a lot of things around town including natalie portman who plays this plays a subject of one of goya's paintings uh is goes out and uh has has fun at a restaurant like eating and partying and all that and then the spanish inquisition is very interested did you eat pork did you Mm. eat pork at the at the thing and she didn't eat pork it's like well that goes a long way to think to to us believing you're jewish and you practice jewish uh uh religion and everything so the next next scene is her getting strung up uh, and being asked the question basically they wow. call it the question uh and uh and you know basically the point of the movie is doesn't anybody uh say what you want to hear from this kind of torture mm. and there's a great scene in the middle it's probably the best scene of the movie where her natalie portman's dad uh like through the connections of goya and uh and uh, everything goya has been painting javier bardim who's the guy who's the who's been like spearheading a lot of this movement although he wasn't there for the natalie portman so hmm. um he gets a, he arranges a meeting with uh with uh, harvey redem and, so, and the father goes i could uh have you admit anything he's like no anybody who believes in god will not admit they'll have the power to not admit the things that to admit, admit something that's not true and blah 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 and so he proves his point this father proves his point and strings javier bardem up oh, and, boy. Huh, and, and makes him go through the question basically and tells him to sign a thing that says i'm the i'm the son of a chimpanzee and uh, blah 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 <laughs> and, and he signs that oh and, wow. uh, this sounds like an uncomfortable movie to watch it is uncomfortable um that those that part in 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 particular is and just realizing that they like how many people probably went through stuff like this 
Um, uh, the, uh, but it's a, it's an interesting thing. Natalie Portman, this is in 2006. I wasn't quite considering Natalie Portman a great actress mm-hmm. back in this period of time. I thought she was good. I liked her or whatever. Um, I, I've, I've, you know, in the past 10 years, we've seen her just become a great actress, mm-hmm. you know, Black Swan and, mm-hmm. uh, Annihilation and, um, uh, Jackie. Mm-hmm. These are, these are some great performances. This one is a, a good hint of what she was going to become later. Hmm. Uh, because, um, she she plays that normal naive Natalie Portman or whatever in the in the first part of this, but once she gets thrown in jail for this this stuff and everything, and once she and the then the French Revolution comes in, Napoleon uh, uh, rescues everybody and everything. Her transformation from prison after what third? It's been twenty years, I think, wow. something like, or wow. maybe sixteen, seventeen years or something like that um is uh is is kind of frightening hmm. you know and uh and she plays also she plays her own daughter in this too oh Natalie really portman does and and it's funny they did something with her i think it's like her teeth or something where it makes it look like she's a different person like hmm. it's just it's the way that she she carries all that and everything and the movie's not really about i mean it's it's she's one of the main characters but it's also about javier bardem and it's also about Stellan Skarsgård, and I'm saying these actors' names like these are the people who right, actually right. lived it. But, um, but I I ended up enjoying it. I I mean enjoying it. Like it's not it's not one of those movies you watch to feel good, right? Uh, but I actually I actually thought it was good. Yeah, this is uh, Milos Forman's last movie. I did not oh, know that. Wow. Yeah, it's it. The guy's career has been insane. I mean, obviously, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Then Hair, Amadeus, Valmont, People versus Larry Flint. Did very few movies, but they were all powerhouses. Mm. Man on the Moon, and then Goya's Ghost. Wow. Mm. So he's very selective. He's one of my all-time favorites, well, I think. Well, and this has a... It's 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 funny. This does have a feel of like an Amadeus. Like, it's not as funny as Amadeus, mm-hmm. like surprisingly funny as Amadeus. But it, it goes about its period drama kind of like an 80s, uh, you know, like an Amadeus would, you know, mm-hmm. it, there's some feel to it that that, you, that very few can. You see the same thing in Valmont, by the way. It's the same yeah, kind yeah. of feel, yeah. uh, even though Valmont was 89. But, but, you know, it's he's got he's got a certain flair for those those period dramas. Mm hmm. I tell you what, man, movie is rocking shit right now. They are. I mean, what, where else are you going to like log on and get like Goya's ghost? Yeah. Right. A, <laughs> a, a movie experience. Like I want to watch that movie now just from the way he described it. And that's I think that's a very good picture of the kind of service movie is. They provide you with a look at films made by filmmakers you are familiar with or know their work, but maybe haven't seen these more obscure cuts. Um, it's with. It's, it's basically better than sex. Yeah, it tickles mm-hmm. our funny bone. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to run down a couple more just so you guys are, are aware of the breadth of what, what they're doing right now. Diary of a Country Priest, French, 1950s, very influential uh, movie. If you if you saw First Reformed last year, this is very influential to the plot, the character, the style of uh, Paul Schrader's uh, movie last year. A uh, couple of other ones that are really interesting uh, Black Magic, which was what, what they say ghost directed by Orson Welles and starring or- Orson Welles uh, from 1949 is on there right now. Orson Welles, man, intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Intense in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think he was generally intense everywhere. <laughs> but <laughs> when yes. he wasn't drunk. 
<laughs> yeah, well, well, you look at the thumbnail on Black Magic. That's basically <laughs> shows you what he. Soul. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to point out, and I'm sure that many movie users have pointed out, there are two movies called Barbara from different countries and different years on on the service right now. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, two. <laughs> you can compare Barbara. the Barbaras. Exactly. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is okay. So, so through us. Because we love them so much, and because they love us, and they love you, we all love you. Everybody loves each other. Just big love fest. A lot of lot of love. Thirty days free. You go to movie dot com slash cinemasins m u b i dot com slash cinemasins. Thirty days free, like a full ass month free. Potentially, if you if you if you have the time, sixty movies. To watch during that period you should make the time it's saying something by the way that i looked at my viewing history on movie and i've only seen 52 movies <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing only that's in the last year that we've been doing these or whatever i'm like gosh that feels like i should have seen so much more like i'm just being ridiculous right no that's a lot of freaking movies that's 52 movies i would have never seen i know no that's the best part is that it'll it'll expose you to to cinema that you wouldn't normally be exposed to some of which you may have seen before but it's it's beautiful we love it just go to movie.com slash cinema sins 30 days free i guarantee you'll love it we all guarantee it we love it so uh do it today uh, are we ready to do some recommends and warns? Fuck yeah! <laughs> I got a fun one. Totes amaze balls. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. I'm gonna go ahead with a warn. All right. I uh, when when you sent out the agenda for this thing, I didn't have anything, and um, and I and I felt left out. So this very morning, <laughs> just before we want before we got on this air, I watched. A movie on Netflix. I basically just went to Netflix. I was like, I want to have something that I can recommend or warn. I need something. God damn it. <laughs> That's right. So I'm going to watch Haunting on Fraternity Row. Oh. <laughs> oh. What? Is this a new movie? It's. It was on there uh, just recently released uh, bar of films. And I was like, all right. I'm going to watch this and whether it's good or bad, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it. It's horrible. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Let's start with that title for a second. Haunting for, on fraternity row. It's really just one fraternity house. It's not a row. Like it's almost like they wanted to, to, they almost wanted to, to put every cliched college thing. I'm surprised there's not animal house somewhere in this title. <laughs> Like, you know, the haunting of Animal House on Fraternity <laughs> Row. Uh, but, like, um, it starts off like a found footage. So we see somebody going around with a camera, and, and uh, it's the day of this big party that they're sending. Uh, like, the, it's a party that they have every year. It's a luau. And, uh, and uh, this is actually, this movie is a total warn, by the way. <laughs> I just want, I just want to... I, I want to dissect a movie like this and explain why everything about it is wrong. Like there's, there's so many things, there's elements that you could have that could be a great movie in here hmm. somewhere. I mean, there's, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. There's no good movie anywhere in here. I just want to, <laughs> just, I, I just want to point out that there's just something that you're sitting there going, it's a curiosity 
the way it's paced, the way they have, the way they've written it, the, the whole, the whole ghost story that they've put in here, just none of that clicks. None of it clicks. There's mm. a, I don't know what, why, what inspired you to make this movie? Um, so they're on the day of this luau thing. And there's like, so there's a couple of stories. There's the guy who likes this girl and the girl likes this guy, but they haven't ever gotten together over four years. Somehow, you know, it's that. And then there's, uh, these, all these frat guys are like, yeah, we're going to party. And they go down to the basement and they find this, um, this like old, like a uh, tunnel or some of some sort. And they're like, oh, well, that's where they used to store coal. It's an old house or whatever. But they go in the tunnel and there's like a bunch of lamps in there. Mm. Why is there a bunch of lamps? Who knows? Um, <laughs> the, uh, and the, and eventually, uh, we start seeing uh, a demon and the demon comes in and like it sucks their eyes out essentially. So there's like nothing but like red circles with blood coming down every time the, 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 the hmm. demon attacks. So event horizon, it's event horizon. Ah, nice. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so like, it just like any demon horror story, you just don't, I mean, you don't understand why the demon does the things that he does. I mean, at least he starts killing a little bit quicker than most of the demons you see in these movies. But there's still all the let's make the power go out and let's, you know, do all this stuff that who gives a shit type Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, And uh, and it just like at the very end, the end is the biggest curiosity. It's one of the I was I was left with so many questions (laughs) and it's not a movie I really cared much about whatsoever. Uh, but like they, at the very end, like a whole bunch of people are dying. And then there's this person who seems to know what's going on. And they're like, and they're explaining all this stuff. And they're like, this is a half-assed explanation five minutes before the movie is over. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, uh, and so it, it, it I could easily spoil this because nobody's going to watch this piece of shit. But, uh, but I would love to actually study a movie like this and just, just point out where it just some the so many things go wrong with a movie like this do you think it could be fixed uh yeah i mean you'd have to fix everything <laughs> um i'm just saying the i mean <laughs> in the construction world they call that a complete teardown yeah yeah i will say there is there's one performer in there that i liked and it's one of the, that's that was one thing that i kept thinking during this whole thing why can't the funny chick that's in this movie be the main character everybody else is fucking paper man oh really just wallpaper i don't give a fuck about dude and the girl who haven't gotten together in four years and miraculously find the way to get together in this movie i don't have i don't give two shits about that um but uh let me let me look at the the performer on this so that i can give her some credit maybe she doesn't want credit <laughs> maybe she doesn't you know she doesn't want anybody to know it's like uh, bill Hader is not credited for ralph breaks the internet even though he's got a like a substantial role isn't there a uh wasn't there a rumor that like stallone bought up some porno he made before he got famous oh like yes. the italian stallion i think that's what it was called right it's oh, referenced really? in big mouth like a lot in that first <laughs> season so maybe there's some truth to that rumor i always thought it was true but interesting i haven't verified it you know there's like a scale for these things there's like stallone might have made a porno and on the other end there's the richard gear gerbil thing yeah right? yeah yeah, yeah. where yeah, you yeah. just like no one ever really believed that yeah, yeah. They? no i think people did okay this is pre-internet well yeah okay yeah <laughs> but uh the the actress's name is molly tarlov and she's like got the best character and you're like 
if it could have been that, like that, that's where you start right there, right? A lot of the reason why we like Happy Death Day is because you oh, know, yeah, that the the main actress is so good, mm-hmm. and uh, and this one she's the she's the funny friend, she's the one that's encouraging people to get laid and drink, and so why don't we? I want to see this girl, you know. And there, there's one moment, and I guess okay, I'll take it back. There's one moment in this movie that's that's fun, and it's because of her. Wow. Um, but um, but yeah, I would love to just go and dissect a movie like this and just be like, okay, don't do any of this. Let's try to make this movie better. Let's let's all try to make this movie better somehow. <laughs> and uh, and I would enjoy doing that. Yeah. Nice. But uh, yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> my one. Uh, did you ever watch Polar? I did. Okay, now I, I can almost tell from your reaction what how you lean on this. It's interesting because on the show notes when I was proofing that last edit, I thought I was going to be like, oh yeah, this is a pretty well-liked movie, kind of mm-hmm. like John Wick. 24% overall for Rotten Tomatoes. And I am diametrically opposed to a lot of, especially critics. Mm-hmm. Now the audience score was around 73 or so, and that's about where I would put it. Now I'm around. in between. I, uh, I, I, I don't like the hyper nonsense at the beginning uh-huh. where they're showing people's names yep. and all that. I don't like any of that. Uh, the section with the assassins trying to kill him is all the best part the sex scene the sex scene and then the and then and then them you know trying to get him and then going into the cabin and then him coming out naked (laughs) and all that that's that's the best part of polar um and i really like vanessa hudgens in that i thought she was really really good really good in that but uh no in the in the comments too i've noticed probably you know a 70 30 split of people agreeing that, that they really enjoyed it mm-hmm. but then 30 percent saying like what the fuck are you talking about mm-hmm. you know so uh, i didn't realize that uh that it was going to be kind of divisive i guess i guess i should have thought thought that but i had so much fun maybe yeah. it was just a, my my i don't think you should doing. ever apologize for enjoying a movie man. oh sure yeah no i thought it was cool i'm gonna do i have a, a record worn mm-hmm. it's mostly a worn but i'm gonna I'm going to give you a twofer on the recommend. All right. I'm going to sneak one in there quick. The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. It's on Netflix. Mm. This is, to my knowledge, the directorial debut of Chiwete Ejiofor. Oh, really? He's in wow. it. This is based on a true story about a kid in Africa who built a windmill to power his family's farm. Um, and uh, the kid, he's in it. Chiwete is. He plays the dad. Um, but the kid, he got to play the lead role. It's fantastic hmm. uh the story is i would i'd say this is probably a b plus movie family friendly feel good you know where it's going the whole time there's no punches pulled but it was really solid i enjoyed it i watched it with my wife Interesting. Uh, and i would give that a recommend my real recommend is a movie i tweeted about a couple weeks ago called the writer this is a 2018 movie r-i-d-e-r yes okay. actually went to can in 2017 and won the art cinema prize or something and then was distributed in the U.S. last year, 2018. And I saw towards awards season, there was some awards group that out of the blue made, gave this best picture. I can't remember which one hmm. it was. But I, w- I have been tracking Roma, of course, because I loved Roma. And I was like, the writer? I saw a picture of a guy in a cowboy hat. And I was like, fuck off, movie. <laughs> Roma's better than you. And I forgot about it. And then uh, a week or so ago, it comes on. It's on either Showtime or Stars. Um and I'm like, well, okay, I'll watch this because if it won this award, it's probably pretty good. Roma ended up getting screwed by the Oscars anyway. Let's, yep. let's see what this is. And so for the first few minutes, I'm trying to figure out where I know this lead actor from. Mm-hmm. 
because he looks super familiar. This is about a rodeo guy who has a tragic accident in the rodeo ring. His horse steps on him. That's all before the movie starts. And he's got a metal plate in his head. And he can't rodeo anymore. Uh-huh. Um, and his dad's a prick. And his sister's special needs. And so he takes a job at a grocery store because he can't rodeo anymore. Um, he but can't rodeo no more. <laughs> eventually he gets so frustrated, um, <clears throat> he starts training horses as a way to try and connect to his previous life. He's really good with horses. You see him break a couple different scenes of seeing him break a horse that, I don't know if I should say it this way, but are breathtaking hmm. to watch. Um <clears throat> And then he finds this horse named Apollo that nobody's been able to break. He's got all these bad habits, and he's just being wasted, but he's beautiful. And so he buys this horse, and he decides he's going to train this horse. And he breaks the horse. And there's this scene where he goes out riding. The cinematography in this movie, this movie is basically like The Wrestler if it was shot like Brokeback Mountain. Oh, 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 you sold me on that, man. And so he starts riding this horse, Apollo, out and and he collapses. He falls off the horse and he's bleeding. Um, and he goes into the hospital and like, you can't ride anymore. Your mental, like your brain injury is such that if you ride, even not just rodeo, but even just riding a horse, you're, you're good. This is going to keep getting worse. He has this thing with his brain disease where his hand will clench shut mm. without him realizing it until he needs to unclench it. Um, and, and, and at the end, all I will tell you is he, he, some point in the last third, he decides he's going to rodeo again. Fuck it. Hmm. This is why I'm tracking it with the wrestler. It's sort of somebody being told you can't do the one thing that defined you anymore. The one thing you were good at. Um, and I kept expecting this to go similar directions to the wrestler. And it, it doesn't. He ultimately has to face a choice in the last few minutes of the movie. Do I really want to do this or do I want to let go? Um, and so after the movie's over, I'm, I'm I'm super moved by it. I tweeted out about it. I do think it should have been a Best Picture contender. It's fantastic. I go Googling, looking for this guy. Not an actor. The real guy that this is based on. This all happened to him. The girl in the movie, his dad in the movie, his real sister and father. Wow. Nobody is acting. These are the real people. And I, usually when you do that in like 15, 17 to Paris or whatever, mm -hmm. like you can fucking tell yeah, yeah. you used real people and it's distracting. Couldn't tell here. Hmm. And it's it's quiet. And there's there are so many shots like cinematography wise that blew my mind and took my breath away. And I, it's it's a double fisted thumb up from me. I wow. can't recommend it anymore. It's I I still think Roma is my favorite movie of the year, but this one affected me. And really, that's why I was so happy with Roma was that it, it moved me so much. And this one, again, uh, do I want to be. How do I want to be defined? What if somebody were to take away from me the thing that defines me? What if tomorrow someone were to kill YouTube or, you know, murder my book series? Mm -hmm. Like, how do I adapt to that? And that's not even any, anywhere as close to how important writing was to this guy. Um, anyway, I, I don't know if I can set it off or too much, but it's I really, really liked that movie. <clears throat> Chinese writer and director, too. Yeah. Chloe Zhao. Chloe Zhao, yeah. I don't know how if that's how that's... Chinese names. I'm 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 still learning how mm. to pronounce it. It could be Shu for all I know. Yeah, Z, it could be Z H A O. You know, but uh, but that's an interesting thing too. You would you don't expect you know somebody from China to be doing this like Western. Well, and she's interesting. She came over from China to be schooled in. She went to. She wanted to go to American film school. She wanted to, to learn to be an American style filmmaker. Uh, and she's made two movies, both of them set on. A Native American reservation. The the hmm. writer is set on a 
I don't want to say which tribe because I'm remembering wrong, but it's set on a reservation, which is part of the wrinkle of why, like, Rodeo was one of the only options to him in the first place. And he was really good at it, and now he can't even do that. He's going to be a grocery store clerk for the rest of his life. Hmm. God, I love this movie. I actually had heard about it. I I think it may have been one of the Maltons that tweeted out about it. It might have been. It was really, really good. And uh, I didn't realize it was on Netflix. You said it's on Netflix? No, it's on Showtime or Stars. Oh, okay. Um, That's where I saw it. Um, but highly, highly, highly recommend. Uh, you you had me at wrestler and broke back. Like that's a really, really interesting combination. Um, I've been getting a lot into like, especially after Buster Scruggs, mm-hmm. the gorgeousness of how you can shoot the American West now uh-huh. with technology where it is right now and the refinements and everything. Yeah. You can really just, like you said, take your breath away. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. What do you got? All right. I'm going to do a full, full, full-throated recommend for something I haven't finished yet. Awesome. Okay. Russian Doll yep. is on Netflix, right? Natasha Lyonne, um, the, the main guy is... Uh, oh, um, I it's Natasha name. Lyonne. <laughs> Lyonne. Uh, Charlie ben- Barnett is the, uh, the main guy uh, in that. Um, so it's on Netflix. It's an eight-part series. I watched the first episode about a week ago and was hooked, mm-hmm. right? But there was so much going on that I couldn't get back to it. Um, and I was like, you know what? I really want to explore and see where it goes because it, the first episode sets up, and it's not a spoiler, it sets up a very Groundhog Day slash Happy Death Day premise. Natasha Leone's character is at her 36th birthday, opulent, uh, hipster, uh, Manhattan birthday party with a lot of, you know, open drug use and open sex and all that stuff going on. She gets hit by a car. Uh, as she's leaving the party and dies and is transported right back to the bathroom in which she started the movie. Same thing we've seen with Happy Death Day, with Edge of Tomorrow, with uh, with uh, Groundhog, Groundhog Day. Day. And so I was like, all right, you know, how are you going? How are you going to do this? And what it's done is taken this in about thirty different directions. Mm-hmm. First of all, it made a straight ass comedy out of it. And like laugh out loud, like I can watch a comedy and enjoy it and think it's really funny, but there are very few comedies that make me literally by myself laugh out loud. Mm -hmm. And this one hits you in so many different ways that you will absolutely crack up. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also high minded. It's also very well shot. The colors in here are evocative of like eyes wide shut almost. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's got some real, real dramatic moments to it. So I watched that first episode. The first episode alone is fantastic came back to it and i was like maybe i should like try to binge that uh for today and so i started last night and i got all the way up to the final episode it was so good i had time to cram that final episode in and still be here on time mm-hmm. but i wanted to savor that final episode so i haven't seen how this ultimately ends mm-hmm. the penultimate episode is unbelievable mm-hmm um what really turned me on to this this uh, show of course everybody's talking about it. everybody's lauding up andy weir writer of the martian and artemis uh who we've had on the show here tweeted out very rarely tweets that i see and he says something like i'm not paid to endorse anything i would never do that especially on twitter just want to let you guys know that russian doll is maybe like the most perfect thing ever <laughs> and i was like wow because I knew it was high-minded sci-fi and stuff like that and has to do with different realities and things like that. So I was like, for for, for this cat who has that brain capacity to yeah. say, like, this makes sense, mm-hmm. 
Uh, it's got to be like at a different level than something even like Groundhog Day, which is more fun yeah. than logical, right? Yeah. And this, I, I cannot recommend this enough. One thing that this does, ha- and I've only seen, I think, the first three episodes. Mm. Um, one thing that this does do that's different from the other three that you mentioned is that it's not it's not every day. It's she mm. can she can get past the day. Yeah, that's the surprising part of it. Yeah, and um, I don't. Is that a terrible spoiler? No, no, no. no uh, I mean, I think it happens like in the in the first or second episode. Yeah. Honestly, as a guy who hasn't watched it, I wish somebody would have told me three weeks ago that there was some kind of time alternate reality jumping back reliving element to this because all i've seen was russian dolls great russian dolls great yeah. russian dolls great yeah. russian yes. dolls great and i have not been interested until now i know right I, that's why it's important yes uh, you know spoilers are, are it's very difficult to spoil this unless you really get into some mm. stuff later on uh but yeah me too actually i i think i knew that it was a groundhog day style thing but I didn't realize what depths it was going to be in because nobody had explained that. It was just like, hey, this is really good. Uh, but yeah, it does take it into a different, it's much more under the, her control, mm-hmm. right? Where she can, she can manipulate what happens. There's a, a sequence in the, I believe the second episode where she dies in a similar way multiple times it's yeah. just a montage of brr, yeah. brr. she well, she falls falls down some steps yeah and eventually it's it's ridiculous i don't, I don't even know how she does this every time but it's it, there's something about those steps that she gets knocked down and breaks her neck every yeah. time so she just decides i'm not going to take those steps ever again yeah <laughs> yeah so she starts using the fire escape but yeah that's that that was the fun thing for me is is just that there's i think there's a point in one of those episodes where she gets like three days past yeah something like that and then when she dies goes back to this bathroom yeah, and you're yeah. like oh holy shit this is this is a little bit of a different wrinkle than what groundhog day and all that all the precedent has set for it and everything where it's always been that same day over and over yeah and it's i that's why it's so cool to me because in groundhog day he has to fix like i don't know realistically a hundred things something like that like he's got to catch the 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 cat falling out of the tree he's got to help the homeless dude he's got to do this and that and that kind of thing right in happy death day she's got to figure out this this whole crime but she has to go through certain steps every day to do that Mm -hmm. right in in this in russian doll she'll go like three days or something like that and make all this progress interacting with you know her peers and stuff like that and then she's got to go back and do all that shit again plus take the next step and they don't it's edited so well to where you're not like you know in that mire or anything like that but it's oh it's so fucking great Mm. this was co-created by amy poehler yeah oh wow and natasha leone and uh the other woman is uh leslie headland and it is it's just so good Mm -hmm. i I cannot wait when i get home tonight i'm gonna watch that last episode and i'm just gonna like try to figure out i may like sketch it out like all crazy beautiful mind style like on the windows like how this all works because i can't wait to see they've explained a lot but they haven't explained everything i can't wait to see the ultimate explanation Mm -hmm. for it huge recommend all right right. and i'm I, i think i'm on the right side of history uh versus polar i think most people agree with me that it's it's very very good no you're, <laughs> you're right you're really taking that polar one hard man 
I'm not actually. I, I was just so surprised because I was I was thinking because something like John Wick is so generally uh, loved. I was like, uh, yeah, people will probably be. On Wait, board, are but. you talking about Polar or Amy Polar? Oh, <laughs> Polar! I barely even know her. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you have do you I, have any more? I I don't really I, I was I was going to talk about I was going to say <laughs> I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2 a bunch and uh there this thing that is annoying in video games happened to me maybe it's uniquely this game um the uh the, there's a side quest in uh Red Dead Redemption where you're like uh you're like uh, hunting animals and you send the the dead animal carcasses to some woman who has an exhibition or something like that. And uh there's like four different levels to this. The first one's like three different animals and you go around searching for these animals and everything. The last one uh, in, in had all these ones. I had four of the five for a long ass time. Could not find a skunk. They need to be pristine <laughs> to be sent in. So each one that you, you kill, you, you look at the information. Is it good? Is it poor? Is it pristine? <laughs> and, uh, so I went through all sorts of wooded areas, all these things looking for a fucking pristine skunk and like couldn't find one at all. And finally one, I'm like uh, next to a river and there's a skunk running. I look over info. It says pristine. Boom. I, I tagged that motherfucker and I got him. I'm like, yes, I can finally finish this goddamn side quest. Interesting note. <laughs> There's some weird controls that you have to deal with sometimes. And one of them is if you have an animal as big as a skunk, you have to stow it on your horse or else he drops it if you try to get on the horse. Mm. So I went over all excited that I finally got this skunk, went over to the horse, climbed on him. The skunk falls to the ground. I'm like, eh, no big deal. But once you get on the horse, the horse moves around and he, he trampled on the skunk. Oh, uh, it's not oh, came back down, came back down and looked at it. And it was a poor skunk carcass. <laughs> oh man. I was, I was like, I said, you motherfucker, about 500 times. If you took this conversation and you sent it back in time and you played it for teenagers in the late 80s and early 90s about what video games are going to be like in the year 2019, oh, yeah. they'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. I don't want to hunt skunks. Right. But in reality, video games are better than ever because you can hunt skunks. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it took me, it took me another like, two days of playing before God. i finally got another one That's frustrating but uh anyway yeah recommend that game because it's it's pretty fun i can you can spend a, a large amount of time playing that freaking game and, awesome uh and everything but uh yeah that was really frustrating <laughs> yeah. all right i'm gonna crack my knuckles here all right my record worn mostly worn is leaving neverland hmm all right. You watched both of them? Yeah. The Michael Jackson documentary that just aired on HBO two nights back to back, followed by an Oprah special. I don't think this is a very good movie. Mm. Okay. It's a four hour like documentary, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm talking it, it, at this current moment, I'm talking strictly about the filmmaking. Mm. It's, it's overly long. And there is, he does this thing where it's it's mostly interview footage with uh, two accusers and their family members, uh, but he will cut away and show you HD aerial drone footage of neighborhoods and streets and cities 
and streets and neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There is so much aerial drone footage, it becomes beyond distracting. Huh. Beyond distracting. Like, I swear to God, a drone company funded this movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's how much aerial drone footage there is, where I don't understand why you can't just cut to another angle of your interview subject or cut to more historical footage like you do occasionally. But it's, I'm telling you, when if you ever get around to watching this, I'm not exaggerating. I cannot exaggerate how much aerial HD drone footage of places there are. They start talking about their visit to the Neverland Ranch. Boom, we're hovering over the Neverland Ranch about 300 yards. And all throughout the next half hour of the movie, while people are being interviewed and talking, we'll cut randomly back to aerial footage of the Neverland Ranch. Hmm. All right. Creeping over that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you've seen people who do, like, drone time lapse of like city skylines and shit mm-hmm. right or nature porn that, that's what this is Inter- I, it's an artistic choice that utterly baffles me and really kept me from like investing hmm. um the film ultimately as everybody has said before me it's going to come down to whether or not you believe these two guys story um it's super uncomfortable to watch super disturbing to watch and listen to But I have found, from my perspective, there is enough undisputed fact about Michael Jackson that the movie didn't really tip me one way or the other. Does that make any sense? Sure. Like, Jackson himself freely admitted that for 30 days or longer, he slept in the same bed with this kid. Mm -hmm. Oh, with this kid? Yeah. Well, well, different kids, but this particular kid. It's a, it's a touchy topic because what, I, what I've seen online is mo- mostly just vitriol in both directions. People who, who, who think he's evil and we need to end him and people who just are simply never going to believe he did anything wrong. It's not a lot of wiggle room. That's why I chose to talk about it on the podcast where I felt like I could at least articulate myself better even if somebody ends up twisting my words. But I was talking with my wife about this. Like, you have a son who is 11. Mm-hmm. Would you let him sleep in a bed with another man? For 30 straight nights. Or would you think that's a little weird? Yes. The only reason anyone can think this is okay is because of who Michael Jackson was. Mm. In that he was a god. I was trying to explain to my wife, who's a good deal younger than me, uh, uh, there's never been anybody as as big as him. And there never will be again. However popular Madonna was in her heyday, however popular Taylor Swift is right now, it doesn't hold a candle to what Michael Jackson was at his peak. He was a deity. Oh, yeah. But anyone defending him saying he definitely didn't do anything shady is starting from a place of being okay with him sleeping in a bed with a little boy for 30 straight days. Yeah. I can't get there. I, I can't. I can't get there. I don't know what happened, but I can't look at that and say definitely nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And there's more. I really don't want to get into it because I know there's going to be at least two listeners who are going to come yell at me online and tell me I'm wrong and he didn't do anything wrong and... I'm not really here for that, Mm. but this is an issue as a culture that we are discussing and should discuss. So it ultimately, like you said earlier, like if we don't have video, some people are just simply never going to believe ever, 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 ever. The documentaries ultimately didn't do anything to sway me. Maybe because I kind of already suspected he had done some shady stuff. It's interesting because it, it almost appeared like. The filmmakers were re- expecting the same response as the R. Kelly yeah. documentary. Yeah. Well, he even leads them, dude. It's it's uncomfortable. There's a moment where Wade Robson is saying, I went back to Australia 
and I was I I'd been in the U.S. for so many months, and I came back to Australia as Michael Jackson's friend. And you hear off camera the director go and lover. And oh, Wade what? Goes, and lover, yes. Uh, yeah, that's not. Nah, that's not. And cool. it really, again, from a movie standpoint, I was frustrated with this thing. Okay, so you watched the entire mm-hmm. uh, surviving R. Kelly thing, right? I did. Yeah. Did you ever see anything like that in that documentary? <sighs> I, I know I'm asking you to remember like six hours of footage, but anything that stand out to you that was similar to that? No, because I feel like I am always conscious of when an off-camera filmmaker or interviewer is heard on during the interview. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because especially it's, like it's that, the, uh, it's the 60 minutes thing, right? Like yeah. they, you can, I think John Oliver once had a whole uh, montage of the reporter asking the leading question. Yeah. So like, it was like, uh, so you went into the store and you, uh, you, uh, and, and, or they'll say, I went into the store and, uh, you jacked all the stuff in the store. Yeah, and they're yeah, like, yeah. I jacked all the stuff in the store is yeah. what they say right after that, yeah. inevitably, <laughs> you know, and there's a whole montage of it. Yeah. Stop asking the leading question. Just let them answer w- how it is. So that there are moments like that. So uh, ultimately it does feel like a documentary that was a little bit agenda e. And I don't know how you could not be with this being the topic, but I was frustrated by some of the filmmaking choices, some of the leading the witness, Your Honor, just frustrated mm-hmm. me. But then also, ultimately, all this movie has to offer that the facts we already knew didn't is their personal story. Mm-hmm. But they don't have they don't have they don't have any facts to back that up, right? Sure, it's I just mean, two. It's just four hours of two guys saying, "Here's what happened. Here's what he did, mm-hmm. and here's." what we started doing leading, when i got a little you <laughs> yeah exactly here's what we did when we got a little older and here's how we explained it to my mom and here's and again you either believe them or you don't but the movie itself doesn't have any evidence and it's frustrating that is frustrating even the r kelly documentary series i felt like presented some evidence yeah the fact that the michael jackson stuff is so odd because everybody knew it everybody heard these things about he was able to draw his genitalia and stuff like that even michael jackson came out and said they were they were taking pictures of me and stuff like that and in that in that crazy um interview that he did with that embedded journalist mm-hmm, uh for vh1 yep. yeah yeah that uh, that he he asked him point blank he was like are you how are you comfortable sleeping with young kids that you barely know in your bed and he would fully cop to it you know, he was he was admitting all this stuff. He said, I don't think that's wrong. He did. He didn't think it was wrong. And, you know, it's completely innocent and all that stuff. And it's like every this it, I'm not going to compare it to the Kevin Spacey thing, but it was an open secret, even to the public. Like yeah. everybody knew this. Everybody saw Michael Jackson admitting to this. So it, with R. Kelly, you had allegations, you had allegations, you had allegations. But then R. Kelly himself would come out and categorically deny it. His uh, his uh, music friends would come out and deny it and support him. The girls themselves would typically come out and say, no, he's perfectly great to me, you know, that kind of thing. And then it took this documentary to blow the lid off of what Jim DeRogatis and all those guys have been doing all this time, and it finally hit. And so Now I think, he's been arrested for I a, know. a whole brand new issue. Like a whole a whole extra sex tape they didn't know about came yes. forward. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think and R. Kelly's going to actually go down. I cannot wait for that to happen. But I, I think they were definitely looking to have that same effect. I don't know if it was like, you know, a malicious agenda or something like that. I know that the Michael Jackson estate put out like a concert video or something like that on oh, yeah. Sunday night to kind of like take attention away to from it. 
Um, so it's like, I, I, I don't know if I can say, unfortunately, this won't move the needle, probably. I don't, I don't think it's going to end up moving. Now, the only thing that may is that Oprah threw her name yeah. almost sort of endorsed the documentary stories by interviewing these two guys afterwards. She yeah. was getting death threats for being a, for doing an interview. Um, but I would say if you, if, if, if a week ago you didn't think Michael Jackson ever did anything wrong with kids, this movie is not going to change your mind. Interesting. And if you did, I don't know that this movie is going to change your mind. Wow. Well, and let's not also not forget the reason why a lot of times we don't have evidence in these cases is because somebody like Michael Jackson, they didn't really, I don't think anybody really went and hard investigated all of that. Did, yeah. They, they, not he until went, that lawsuit. There was allegations, but I don't think, I don't think they, they did the Bill Cosby thing where it was like, you know, they actually uncovered someone who said this and then they went and talked to that person and oh this person's got a, got a story to tell and oh this person's got you know uh this documentary sounds like it would be a lot better if they could have found others yep that could corroborate the story and there or seems like there were others to, right or if yeah. they've been able to talk to the kid that settled but i'm sure part of that settlement was you can't, can't ever talk say, about yeah. this again do you think this would have moved the needle more if he were alive right now for sure yes because you can put it in front of him mm. and and i think i think in large part the fact that he is not alive is why so many refuse to believe this is that he's not able to defend himself yeah and and again you know robson was on the stand saying none of that ever happened with me he never touched me but he was 11 years old when he did that so the one that one of the ones that were interviewed here did not settle neither, neither of, of these guys have settled okay i thought one of them had but no yeah, okay. robson so sued him but i think that case was dismissed or he dropped oh okay okay and then the other one is james Safechuck. uh the guy that ended up settling with him isn't he's talked about in this documentary but he's not a focus well um, that's interesting you're right chris like if they i mean it didn't seem like at the time that all these were coming out it didn't seem like there was a shortage of accusers or right. at least uh, witnesses i mean i think Macaulay Culkin and Corey Feldman came out in support mm -hmm. of him, literally saying, I slept in the same bed with him when I was a child and nothing happened. Mm -hmm. But how many other non-celebrity Well, I was going to say, Macaulay happened, Culkin right? was famous before he met Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah. And his parents were are notorious for having been deeply involved in all his career decisions. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's the kind of person, Michael Jackson or not, a predator would target. There's too many chances to be caught with the famous that kid was a household name when he met michael jackson yep these kids in the documentary were not mm. their families were not wealthy they were not famous that's what makes it so weird it's i mean i, yeah. I forced myself to go there i knew it was going to be difficult to watch and it is there's a bunch of uncomfortable moments one one brief bit of levity i wanted to bring is that have you guys seen the show schitt's creek i have not no I it's fantastic, by the way. Uh, Eugene Levy and his son, Catherine O'Hara, huh. uh, Chris Elliott. Um, my wife has been falling in love with it. I've seen about half the episodes, but it's got this really bouncy, like xylophony show opening that only lasts like six seconds, and it's like boom, gun, boom, gun, boom, ding, and then the show starts. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching, <laughs> leaving Neverland, and my TV's in the corner. She can't hear it. She doesn't know what I'm doing. Uh, but her TV is right on the other side of the wall from my desk where I'm sitting. Mm. And so I'm watching Finding Neverland and somebody says something really uncomfortable. 
And there's this awkward silence that the movie lets play, and I'm sitting here soaking it in, and then I hear, bong, dong, song, dong, dong, dong. And it was this weird dichotomy of moments. I had to go in and tell her what was happening just so I could laugh I, at it. I had heard Shit's Creek uh, was just sort of uh, flailing about for three seasons, and then it became popular really around the fourth season i think it's on its sixth now something like that i don't know she has loved it from the beginning i have liked every episode i've seen um it's about a, i've heard good things a really rich family that loses it all and the only thing they have left is this small shithole town that they were allowed to keep by the judge and so they're living in this ratty motel mm. chris elliott's the mayor um and they're trying to adjust it's like the reverse beverly hillbillies they're trying oh, to nice. adjust to life being poor <laughs> by the way just for the listeners, you said finding Neverland. You meant leaving Neverland. I said I meant leaving Neverland. I've been doing this ever well, since this movie became a thing. This poor who did Finding Neverland? It was, was some that was that um I know it was Johnny Depp, right? Mark Webb movie. Mark and, Webb. Yeah. But uh, like that about uh J. M. Bari. Yeah, yeah. That movie's gonna get associated now with this yeah, crazy shit. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean it was never like a good movie. Thank you for correcting place, me because I I, I almost I just don't feel like I can joke about this movie, but at no, one sure. point I thought about tweeting out, am I the only one that keeps accidentally calling it Finding Neverland <laughs> well, instead of Leaving Neverland? You've been saying Leaving Neverland for the most part, yeah, right? I think yeah, so. It was just, it was just the part. one time. Yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. You got another? Or- uh, <laughs> should I should I give my wreck a warn after that or should we? Go for it, man. Okay. Now for something completely different. Yes. <laughs> and now for something completely different. A man with three buttocks. <laughs> this is very silly, especially relative to what we were just talking about. But, you know, I talked about laughing out loud with, with Russian Doll mm-hmm. and all that, where there would be moments where, like, it, it would hit you out of nowhere. Uh, there was a moment in Russian Doll where, like, there's the morning after, there's, there's like, the vestiges of an obvious orgy. And uh, this dude is sleeping on his face and he's got a strap on sticking out of his butt. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like you can only imagine wh- how this was operational yep. during the uh, the thing. Yep. That was oh, like, I oh, don't I'm- have to imagine, Barrett. <laughs> was- I have pictures. Uh, but uh, no, uh, one one. If you ever have that experience where you're like you just can't stop laughing, it's like the greatest thing in the world, right? And uh, so I was watching Saturday Night Live for like the first time in ages mm-hmm. live on Saturday. John Mulaney hosted and uh, Bill Hader, mm-hmm. one of my favorite people of all time, mm-hmm. uh, was also on there. Mm-hmm. The op- the cold open was a uh, the Michael Cohen thing where Ben Stiller plays Michael Cohen and all the other ones are reprising their roles. Bill Hader played uh, Jordan. Jim Jordan, yeah. And... That one killed me. Now, normally these politics things, these these current events things, especially if it's featuring Alec Baldwin as Trump, completely miss me. It, it's it, it's not funny. It's just relying on impressions and stuff like that. Two of the ones murdered me recently. It was when uh, Matt Damon did Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. That one was unbelievable. And then this one absolutely killed me. And then, so that was like off to a good start. I was like, wow, I'm actually interested in this. Then Mulaney came out to do a stand-up basically mm-hmm. routine for his monologue did you see this yeah i saw it all the way up until i didn't i didn't get into i think the it was the musical guest or the weekend update that's where i stopped oh well you stopped at the right time except oh, okay. for one one exception okay uh but then Mulaney did a stand-up bit which ended up 
with a uh, with a joke about Sunni Previn and Woody Allen in the Lower East Side, and it was fucking hilarious. Like everything about this episode was going well. Then they had this game show with Mulaney and uh, Bill Hader about like, uh, do you know this person? They pulled up a, a picture of Chrissy Teigen. They were like, yeah, Chrissy Teigen, and then somebody else, and they got that right. And then they brought out like some your coworker and his girlfriend of four years. What's her name? And he's like, oh. <laughs> and what's funny you know it's a it's a funny premise but like what's funny is the interaction between bill Hader and john mulaney where he's like what is wrong with you and he, bill Hader's the host he's like a deep-seated hatred of humankind like just happy to go lucky yeah. and it was just absolutely going and going and going uh they had one of those pre-tape bits that was really funny uh the uh the the toilet ejector. oh thing. yeah 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 and then it gets to like a sketch with without hater and I think generally without Mulaney and it just screeched to a halt. Mm-hmm. And then they had it wasn't Jason Isbell, but it was one of those guys, mm-hmm. Jason Aldean or Aldean Frank or mm-hmm. whatever his name is. Weekend Update was not good at all. Like there was no Stefan, by the way. I mean, yeah. you had Hater and Mulaney there, and I was like, well, at least we'll get a vintage Stefan, but didn't do that. Everything just completely you know, waned until I got to, I think it was the second to last sketch of the night. And Mulaney became well known for his, uh, what was it called? Lobster Diner yeah. bit uh, on SNL when he hosted about a year ago or mm-hmm. something like that. And this was a similar uh, setup where they go into a bodega and Pete Davidson uh, like says, I want to use the bathroom. And his friend is like, you can't use a bathroom bo- in a bodega. And then it turns into this weird absurd where the, the Sour Patch kids are coming alive and talking and like there's a there's a, a, a stalk of lettuce or something like that. The toilet starts talking and it's this crazy like this feverish dream of like all these things coming alive and singing different musicals and stuff like that. And uh, Music Man, he comes out and he's like the Bodega Man can. You know, gonna, <laughs> it was fucking genius. So like. It's a weird recommend, but if you want to go back and watch the individual skits, go through the ones that I mentioned. It maybe just hit me at the right time, but mm-hmm. I was fucking rolling. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's a strong recommend. Did, right. did, did you like it? Uh, yeah. Now, you've got... It was on Saturday, and uh, it was really late. Oh, you weren't watching it live? It no, was just- it was recorded, and I, I, I got home, and I needed to go to sleep, so mm. I started up Saturday Night Live. So... A uh, couple of the skits I was almost out for, so I had, I didn't really give them uh, a good thing. But the Mulaney uh, stand-up at the beginning was really good. I really liked that. Oh, my God. Um, and, yeah, that game show thing, especially Bill Hader, like the stuff you were just talking about was, was hilarious. Um, but, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, that was good. So it was nice to see SNL actually have something that, that really just hit, you know. And I think it takes a professional like John Mulaney to come out to do stand up to to help write to make sure that the the shit's flowing correctly. Mm-hmm. Did you see all that stuff on Twitter about how John Mulaney never did write for SNL? Yeah, I just can I just tell you that this level of like meta humor you like it. Because I like cuz didn't it start with this one woman saying he didn't really write. This is just a long-running bit where he says he used to write for them. Yeah, and now yeah, he's yeah. playing along with that. Mm-hmm. I don't care. No, I I mean I don't ultimately care i thought it was kind of funny no it is kind of funny i'm 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 saying uh, this is a unique perspective that kind of humor almost annoys me really 
I don't know why. <laughs> mm. I think when it's aggressive, like, oh, fuck you. Of course, no, he never wrote there. It was usually very genially posted, like, somebody would come on and be like, what the fuck, you bitch? Like, of course he's been fucking writing there for, like, 10 years or whatever. Mm. And she would be like, you know, sources have confirmed this, but I think overall the evidence points to that he was never a writer on SNL. <laughs> and I think the passive voice, I think, made it kind of Maybe. It's too. like, I felt it felt a little too much like all the Ryan Reynolds, Hugh Jackman stuff can just go <laughs> die in a fire as far as I'm concerned. Because I saw so many headlines when they made that video where they supposedly healed their feud mm. and Reynolds did a good ad for Hugh Jackman's coffee, but then Hugh Jackman's ad for Ryan Reynolds' uh, gin was, this fucking gin sucks, or he did some bad ad, yeah, and yeah. apparently Ryan Reynolds' the feud is back on. Do you know how many goddamn reputable news sources had headlines that the feud is back on with Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds? I did not know the that. The rap, Hollywood Reporter, all of these plays, they just ran with this, like, no one is winking in the headline we're just selling gin for this fucker now. Oh. Or we're just promoting movies for these. They, they're playing along like the feud is real. Even though in the article they'll be like, the tongue-in-cheek feud continues to blah, 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 blah. And at this point, I'm just like, you guys are just feeding the bottom line of these two people. All right. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to bring up this comment that I got uh, on, a, on a Facebook private message. Right. Private message. Private messages. Uh, a, a lot of fans come out and, uh, you know, say stuff that they normally can't, I guess, don't want to say on the, the public forum or whatever. I woke up on Saturday and I got this one. Holy fuck. Your videos are so shit, man. Please stop. He spelt fuck with an X. <laughs> As you do. F U X. K. He spelt stop. Atop. A T O P. Um, I responded back to him. I said, so you're saying you've seen more than one? Nice. <laughs> Thanks for the support. Looking forward to hearing more from dedicated fans like you. So there I just thought go. I wanted to I wanted to bring up a fan, uh, you know, who obviously loves us so much that he's seen all of our videos. And, um, you know, it, it makes me feel special. What's I, interesting is. Uh, is that he responded on the Sincast page? Yeah, the Sincast page. Um, pro you want to know the truth? I probably have muted this person on Twitter, and once he couldn't get through to me on Twitter, he came over to you uh, on Facebook because mm -hmm. he just wanted to insult the CS Fucks mm -hmm. your videos. Yeah, fucks. It's a Popeye thing. Start user. <laughs> 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 what fucks, the fuck's what, your videos? What the fuck's? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is a dedicated fan right there. It really is. Uh, I hope he's on our Patreon because yeah, yeah. Um, because um, you know people like that are the people that you do this for. That would be the best. If somebody hate commented on Patreon, that would literally mean they paid us to insult <laughs> us. That's right. I actually want that to happen. <laughs> I know, right? That'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> that's going to do it for this week. Uh, keep going to uh, the aforementioned uh, Sincast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook, uh, CinemaSins Twitter, uh, Reddit. Uh, we have uh, we're on Discord. Uh, what else? What else? Seems like you got a good amount of comments on Facebook uh for the last episode uh, yeah um interestingly enough though the comments on the greg sestero one 
where a lot of like, whoa, I can't believe this, or oh, you got uh, that guy, or you know, and then and and then people asking me about movies going on thirty, oh, and yeah. uh, by the way. I don't know if this will will do anything. I've answered the question about eight or I don't I don't mean to sound upset at people who keep asking where this podcast went, but uh, I've answered the question about eight or nine times on Facebook. We had another podcast that claimed uh, that we were ripping them off and then got three other podcasts without any irony saying <laughs> that saying that we ripped them off um and we decided to just go in another direction mm -hmm. you know and it's over and i hate that it's over but you know there you go yeah but there was a lot of there were two people asking me how movies going on 30 on the greg sestero <laughs> thing it's over you're too old nobody listens to techno yeah uh so yeah the the and then comments about other things so it's it's weird there wasn't very much about the interview yeah. in those comments but there were a lot of comments yes yeah. uh but yes i encourage people to come out there and talk about this very episode yeah uh anyway that'll do it for this week it's chris Atkins and jeremy scott and barrett Sherrill. see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and reddit and be sure to visit cinemasins.com. I have a question for you, Jeremy. Yeah. And this this came to me honestly and not just like a like an outtake type of question. I've never understood I caught a little bit of the sponge episode of seinfeld the other day okay all right and so because elaine has cleaned out all the sponges mm -hmm. susan can't get the sponge for the makeup sex with george mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and so she's like well just get a condom and he's like i can't use condoms mm -hmm. and she says why not he says it's like p playing beat the clock he's like open a bag of opening a bag of chips <laughs> okay i never understood why he says this is it because the boner's going down, or is it because he's about to, 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 to ejaculate? Oh, oh! What is beating the clock meaning? Like, does his boner go down that quick? That's what I always took for. Or it. does he wait until the very fucking last second to throw that on there? Like he's humping away, and then all of a sudden pull no, out throw it on and then go back in. i think it's i think it's i think it's the wilting boner it's the wow wilting boner <laughs> it's a great That's metal a band. band name mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are we doing <laughs> i know we're not this isn't like gonna be part of a podcast right i, uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I honestly I mean, didn't know if that was if that was an, an ejaculatory response with the condom you know what it, it's like? It's like why Frank Pantangeli's brother was brought in in Godfather 2. It's whether they're threatening to kill him or whether he's intimidating Frankie Pants or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. It's those kinds of questions because you can see it in a completely different light. If you look at it, it's just mm. concerning I always boners. interpret it as it's such a struggle to get it on and get it out of the package. My wiener's going to go down. That Do you know what's 100% effective? Masturbation. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's correct. Oh, I don't know. Some, Guaranteed, never get pregnant. If I, I don't know. Sometimes if there's a girl in the room, though, that's true. Sometimes it'll. I made a. There was a. <laughs> there was a joke in the. Uh, in, have you seen the uh, Bruno Mars Cardi B the uh, Please Me video? I haven't seen that yet. 
man, it's uh, it's like it's they they had to hose that set down afterwards. Like, I'm sure it was just like you know, grinding and thrusting they and things fucked. and stuff like that. Well, I made a I made a joke, and one of them was like, "They're literally gonna fuck right now," because yeah. <laughs> she's like laying back, and Bruno's like got legs open. Yeah. Like, I remember yeah. reading that joke, <laughs> but and like, uh, but like one of the jokes is like this: the, it's so sexy in here that like these girls not only got pregnant, but they fully gestated the baby, yeah. <laughs> delivered, and now they're pregnant again. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I see you're you're in the same restaurant. Want to fuck about it? <laughs> hey, let me ask you this: Is every song by the 1975 on their new album? Have I already asked you this? A title and then a subtitle in parentheses. It, it may be. Yeah, that's the, kind uh, of their the thing. two sing uh, for all albums or just this one. No, I, verbosity is their thing. Like they they don't do short. It's like how because there's like it's not love it if we made it or whatever, and then it's, it's not like, living if it's not with you. And then the other one is lo- there's another one like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one they're playing on Alt Nation. Well, the title of their album is like a, a, like a Fiona Apple style like sonnet. Basically, hey, I don't have time for that kind of thing. <laughs> just, like, just play your song. I dude. like their songs. I like their music. I do. Too. I just I look down at the thing and I can't tell one song from the next and there's parenthesis and it always runs off the edge of the screen. Well, like, remember uh, Pearl Jam used to get knocked because of their one word one word titles. It was like once like even flow, but then like a live porch, like all that black, all that stuff. Jeremy daughter. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on verses, I think they had old lady sitting on a porch with a whatever it is, fried chicken or what. Elderly woman behind Elderly a counter woman. in a small town, but nice, <laughs> nice try. <laughs> That's probably my favorite Pearl Jam song. I love that song. Did you say old woman something something fried chicken? Yes. Is that what you said? It <laughs> is kind of like that though, right? But it, but yeah, she's just behind the counter. There's nothing about fried chicken there. I bought that single, by the way, on CD. Uh, the elderly woman song, because mm-hmm. the B-side is Yellow Leadbutter. Interesting, because I have a different CD single. I have a Yellow Leadbetter CD single. Mm, I think it got popular after it was the B-side to the yes. Elderly Woman CD. Yes, Yellow Leadbetter is maybe one of the most, like, and I, I mean this, like, organic, like orgasmically beautiful songs that I've ever heard. The guitar work is outstanding, yes. and uh, I don't even care that he's literally mumbling. Yeah, he's Ariana grande Like, he's probably on drugs or something. Stoned, drunk, something. Yeah. Oh, weather. Did he say weather? I think he said weather. How's the weather? I don't care. Song's amazing. It's song's fucking uh, great. And, I, and there's that part where <laughs> I don't ca- This is the way I've interpreted this lyric. I don't care if it's a box or a bag. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to look it up. I think it's all. That's all. Better Man is on Vitology? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I'm and then wrong. Yield is the one that has. Well, that's where I started to fall off from them. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. It's a good album, I think, but it's. it's. Hmm. I love on Vitology the uh, Spin the Black Circle. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, spin the Black Circle. <laughs> spin Sounds the Black Circle. <laughs> it's about as energetic as that band ever gets. Oh, yeah. Because so much of their music is just taking its time, even when they're rocking. You know, Jackson Maine and The Star is Born is just fucking Eddie Vedder, right? With like a mumbly, mumbly, grumbly. Sounds about voice. right. Seems, Sounds seems about good right. to me. Mm-hmm. Did he say, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that scene with him and Sam Elliott where they're like bumping heads and they're like, you stole my fucking voice. You won't fucking do any fucking thing with it. Fuck you. Fuck. <laughs>
Do I need to have seen the movie to understand any of that? He probably. Well, it's in the you would definitely need the subtitles because <laughs> well, I, I remember watching this movie in theaters and I was like, what the fuck did he just say? I didn't even know. I didn't even know it was about the pecan farm until I watched it later. Pecan <laughs> farm. Because it comes, it's a cut because they're in the desert. And you don't even realize that it's sold. It's just like he punches him in this. Yeah, you're a fucking drunk. Couldn't even get up straight up by yourself. And and this whole like stealing his voice thing is just like randomly. I should put that sensitive. Like it's it's just touched on. Like it's mm. it's basically implying that Sam Elliott had a better voice and a better career. But he wasn't ambitious, or right? he's just like what he's just like what Andrew Dice Clay was talking about earlier in the movie, where she he has he had the talent, but he never became a big thing. And 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 Jackson is the Frank Sinatra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, hey, think, that's, I think that's I think that, that, that it ties in pretty nicely with that ADC <sighs> quote. Fucking fuck, fucking voice. Yeah, as Shania Twain said, up, up. It can only go up from here. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What song is that? Up, up, it can only go up from here. Up, up. That's how it goes. Hmm. I don't know if I've heard that song. Enjoy show notes later as you find Jeremy knows way too much Shania Twain. I think I'm messing up the lyrics, but do I got the you, Do you know, like, were you a fan? No. Well, yes. When that's, when, when her big, one big, she had one big album. Yeah. And it had Still the One and Man, I Feel Like a Woman mm-hmm. and uh, From This Moment. Like, she had like six radio hits yes. off this one album. And I liked most of them. I didn't buy her album or anything, but I liked enough of them. Hmm. And I remember that being a song. She's a big old crossover. She's coming back now. She's having a resurgence. She's still to. pretty, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's very pretty. Yeah. I never thought she, she was. She was married ugly. to Mutt Lang. She was. Yeah. Mutt. Mutt. Mm. I think if I think Mutton. if I think if you're as beautiful as Shania Twain, that should just be a, like a first rule, not not to date anybody named Mutt. <laughs> yeah, the mighty to the mighty Mutt <laughs> to the mighty Mutt. <laughs> Hello, is it me, horny for? <laughs> My wife was not impressed with the hornier than a three-dicked rhino joke. <laughs> And I was like, well, you get it. It's horny because he's got a horn. And <laughs> he's got three dicks. That's, imagine how much how much he wants to have sex. <laughs> Wait, now I can hear. Now I can hear. Whatever you did, fix it. Don't do anything else. Okay. No one move. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no one breathe. <laughs> don't move. Don't move. Oh, you move. <laughs>